Turn in your Bibles with me to, to the book of Proverbs. You also need your bulletin because I printed out the different Proverbs we're going to look at. But if you want to open it and jump around, that's fine too. All right, so part of the reason we are looking at Proverbs, well, part of it is, is as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that I'm not that wise. You know, I've been to seminary, I've done some things, but being good and being knowledgeable is very different from being wise. You know, to be a, a good parent, to be a good spouse, to be a good pastor, it requires wisdom. And so Proverbs is a place that I've never really spent that much time in, honestly. Uh, we spend all our time focusing on being good, we forget about being wise. <laughs> and so that too is important. And the beauty of Proverbs is that it's ancient wisdom that is still applicable today to help you live well in God's world. And so Proverbs, along with Job and Ecclesiastes, they are what's called wisdom literature. Um, they are ever, ever relevant. It's amazing. They both tell you how to live well and also show you that wisdom is much more complex than we tend to make it. And so, like I said, I'm calling this series Proverbs, How to Live Well in God's World. And by live well, it means to, to flourish. Uh, Proverbs is for your well-being. And most of what's in Proverbs, which is fascinating, is about life lived from Monday to Saturday. It's in the real world, outside of these walls, outside of Sunday morning. It is about piety, but it's about justice. It's about living well with the people you live with. I mean, it's about your wallet. It's about your friendships, all these earthy things. And so we need wisdom. And Derek Kidner says it well, as we jump into this, we're going to read it in a moment. It's just the reality. When you're looking for wisdom, wisdom covers those things that sometimes it seems like the moral law, the Ten Commandments, just aren't helping you with in the moment. He says there are details small enough in our lives to escape the mesh of the moral law and the thundering of the prophets. She's just saying they're so small. And yet, he says, they're significant for your personal life. So we need wisdom. Because you can listen to all the be good commands and still be a fool. And so this morning as we look at Proverbs, it's going to be a bunch of introductions, but it's just, just a big overview of what Proverbs is about. And the idea I hope you get this morning is that Proverbs really is a good news book. It's not just to come alongside of you and, and beat you up for not being good enough. It's, it's, it's to teach you. It's inviting you into God's wisdom inviting you to be mentored by God himself. And so let's read these passages. I'm going to add verses, uh, chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, because I wrote the outline before I was done my sermon. <laughs> but so, this is God's word. It's Proverbs 1 to 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And in Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And then 8.10, God says, Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot be compared with her. And then verse 32 of eight, chapter 8. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me, wisdom, love death. And this is God's word. It's absolutely true and trustworthy and given in love. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we need wisdom. Uh, the, the same wisdom that created everything uh, to teach us how to live, how to live well in your world. And so I pray this morning that you would send your spirit, uh, the same spirit that made Jesus wise, that gave him understanding, that gave him knowledge, that made him our wonderful counselor, so that we might run after him. So make us like Jesus and save us from our, our own foolishness, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, like I said, I've got one big goal this morning. Well, I guess it would be split into two parts. I want you to see that Proverbs is a good news book. It's, it's a gospel book. And also that you will then want to read it, right, to pursue wisdom. So because it's good news, therefore pursue wisdom. That's all gospel means. It's just a word that means good news. And Proverbs, when you look at it, if you want to split it into parts, for those of you who are outline people, right, the first nine chapters... Uh, are persuasive speeches on why you need wisdom. And then from chapters 10 to 31, it tells you what to do. Right? So 1 to 9 is different than 10 to 31. You'll notice it's 1 to 9 is these persuasive. You need wisdom. Come, come and trust the Lord. Listen to him. And then the, the second half is, all right, here's how uh, you fools put this to work. <laughs> here's how you become wise. And it's a whole collection, it's hundreds of these little sayings meant to make us idiots wise. <laughs> and it's great. So I would encourage you to read it. It's not meant to be studied alone. It's meant to be talked about with friends and community. Uh, so do it. If you have a proverb and you don't know what it means, grab, a, grab somebody and talk about it. It's something that's, you know, we love these lines in our culture. We call them memes, right, where you just say something funny or sharp or witty and you think it's, it's going to end all arguments. And uh, that's not what a proverb is. It's, it's meant to be like a precious jewel that you hear it. Even if it's just a few lines, that you're meant to just stare at it for a while and to look at the different angles, to, to meditate on it, to figure it out. And this is helpful because I know, I mean, you just walk into a bookstore, everybody is looking for wisdom to know how to live well in this world. Right? Looking for life coaches, uh, looking for 
self-help books. You can go online and there's hundreds of TED Talks, which are all these different life hacks. How do you, how do you organize your life and, and come out on top? These kinds of things. And Proverbs is similar but different. <laughs> Proverbs is wisdom that works, but it works because it's God's world, because it's true. And what's interesting, all right, well, this is for those of you, this is on my to, to read book, but uh, one of the best selling self help books right now is by a Canadian psychologist named Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you've heard of him at all, he's, he's everywhere online now. He's not a Christian, but he's taken biblical wisdom and biblical images, and everybody seems to be reading him. And one of the things he does is to say why you need his wisdom, or just wisdom in general, is he describes life as chaos, which is a very biblical thing to do. It's how the Bible begins. If you want to understand the Bible, Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning was God, and the world was formless and without void, which is a, a technical way of just saying the world, it was chaos, there was no order. There was no beauty, and then God starts speaking with his wisdom. He starts separating, he starts shaping, he starts molding, separating the waters from the earth, he starts creating the animals and, and populating. And in the song of creation, it says everything is good, 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 very good. But what's, as you get later on in the story, the chaos of creation that has been made good is now being uncreated. You get to Jeremiah, for instance, and being without form and void just describes the world we live in. Why you need wisdom. And Jeremiah 4 describes it. There's earthquakes. There's famine. There's poverty. There's war. There's violence. There's suffering. There's anguish. There's chaos. And so Proverbs comes alongside of us and says, if you have God's wisdom... There is wisdom that generally works to order the chaos in your life, in God's world. All the way down to the smallest details. Like, how do you get along with your brother and sister? Or with your spouse, with the people that God has placed you with, with your roommates? Right? The moral law would say, love your neighbor as yourself. We know love is a principle, but it doesn't tell you how to treat them at breakfast, right? So Proverbs 27, for example, I'll just give you some examples here. It says, 27.14 says, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning will be heard as a curse, <laughs> right? The moral law says love your neighbor, but it's not gonna tell you to not talk to your roommate till they've had their coffee, <laughs> right? Wisdom says don't be obnoxiously kind in the morning because no matter how well-intentioned you are, it's cruel, right? And so this is what we're, as we jump into Proverbs, wisdom is teaching us how to live well in the midst of the chaos of our life, and it's asking all kinds of questions. Things that the moral law gives commands and, and principles, but doesn't get all the way down into the nitty-gritty the way it, it does, but we need to think about it. Wisdom helps us get there, right? Who do you marry? How do you know they're the right person? How do you know what career to choose? Uh, how do you know how to spend your money? How do you know to, how to live without money or with money? Uh, how do I suffer? 
How do I fix my broken relationships or how do I live so I don't break them in the first place? How do I stop blowing my top and losing my temper? How do I become a person who's like a, a cool glass of water on a hot summer day, which is really just another way of saying a friend? How do I be a good friend? Uh, how do I avoid becoming something that the Bible mocks and makes fun of, the sluggard? Right. You see that over and over again. The sluggard who's so lazy they can't even get the hot pocket into their mouth because it's just too much work. Nor do they hold a job. Right? They can't lift their, the food into their mouth. These questions, which are incredibly earthy and human, things from Monday to Saturday, they require wisdom. More than the moral law. Uh, it requires wisdom that sees everything, that knows how the world works, and is never surprised by chaos and equips you to go to war against that chaos. And so what Proverbs wants us to be, I'm going to use this phrase, it, it, it's tra training us to be wisdom warriors. Right? Training us to order the chaos in our lives well, to learn from God himself. And so, that's the promise, that's the invitation. What I want to do that now is, is show you that Proverbs is a book that's all about good news. This is going to be some teaching this morning. And the first point that I want you to see is that the invitation of wisdom is an invitation to believe the gospel. It's good news. So for example... It's in your reflection that Ray Ortland says Proverbs is a gospel book because it's part of the Bible. That means the book of Proverbs is good news for bad people. It's about grace for sinners. It's about hope for failures. It's about wisdom for idiots. This book is Jesus himself coming to us as our counselor, as our life coach. All right. Proverbs is good news. Really, I think what Proverbs is telling us in chapter 1, that God is our good Father who, who wants to come alongside us and mentor us bumbling and stumbling children. He says to you and I, my child whom I love, let me teach you how to live in my world. Let me give you all the skills you need to survive. Will you learn and listen to me? And as soon as you frame it that way, Proverbs is assuming that you already know what it's like to be God's child. Because right? the invitation of wisdom is to listen and learn from your Heavenly Father's counsel. It assumes you're God's son and that you want to learn. Right? That's, why it's, that's why it has to be a gospel book because the only way, according to the scriptures, to be God's child is by grace and grace alone. It assumes it. I'll show you how it works. This is, this is cool. Uh, the Bible is beautiful in the way it communicates truth, and there's unity to it. Just the very structure of Proverbs is telling you it's gospel. Right? So you got two parts, chapters 1 to 9 and chapters 10 to 31. And, and many people have noticed when you get to the New Testament, this is how the Apostle Paul communicates. He spends a lot of time telling you you need to believe the gospel, that grace the salvation is a gift by grace through faith alone. And then at the end of the letter, he says, all right, here's what you do. Right? He asks you, who are you? Do you know that you are a son of God by grace and grace alone? And then he says, sons of God, live this way. 
right? Or if you're a technical person, he, he gives you the indicative, and then he tells you what to do with the imperative. And so you go to the book of Romans, that's what 1 to 12 is, or 1 to 11 really is all about. You need the gospel. You can't avoid it. You don't want it because you're a, you're a sinner, but look at how beautiful the gospel is. It's for sinners in Christ. And then the chapters 13 to 16 in Romans is uh, an explanation of how you love your neighbor as yourself because the gospel is true as God's child. Galatians is the same way. And so when you get to Proverbs, you, you start to see the same pattern. Paul didn't make it up. Right? This is Paul portrays and teaches the gospel because the gospel is wisdom. Right? It's the pattern. You have to know who you are before you ever attempt to do what God tells you to do. And so you get to 1 to 9. This is just like the beginning of Romans. It's amazing. It says, here is the hope. You can be wise. And then you get a little further in chapter 1. Nobody is seeking to be wise. It's just like Romans 3. God looks down from heaven to earth and no one seeks God. No one. Not, not one single person. Right? And then it starts to invite you. Because wisdom is like a treasure. Uh, the wisdom that made the world delights in you. Uh, if you get this wisdom, you will live. If you ignore this wisdom, you will die. This is gospel language. And then when you get to chapter 10 through 31, you have hundreds of little sayings that says this is what wisdom looks like. Go put it into practice. All right? So just in the structure, Proverbs is a good news book. This is cool. It's a gospel book by design. But it's also a gospel book. It's inviting you into a relationship with your God as your heavenly father, Jesus as your elder brother, who has forgiven everything and made you his child and teaching you how to live. But Proverbs, you notice, it just assumes the rest of the story. Because we read it in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. And it just starts. Right? And so it's really tempting, especially for those of us who know the Bible. Is if you know that Solomon, who Solomon is, Solomon was the king of Israel in the Old Testament. He was the wisest king to ever live. He, he, he wrote literally hundreds of these, even more than are recorded for us in the book of Proverbs. It's really tempting to start this book and say, Solomon told us what wisdom looks like. I want to be like Solomon. At least the good parts, not the womanizer part. Because <laughs> he had like a thousand girlfriends. But you've got to come to Proverbs and recognize it's part of a bigger story. It's part of the gospel story. Right? Proverbs assumes that when, when he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it assumes you know who the Lord is. Yahweh. The same God who, who carried Israel on his shoulders out from slavery in Egypt into the promised land, just like a father carries his son. See, Proverbs assumes that, that, that you know grace already. And Proverbs also assumes that you know or have heard of God's promise to David. And God's promise to David was to be a good father and teach his sons to be good sons, to be wise sons, to be good kings. Right? And so this is, enough, this is, like I said, this is an overview. This is going to be like drinking from a fire hose. But one of the most important passages in the Old Testament 
It's God's promise to David in 2 Samuel 7. In 2 Samuel 7, God says to David, It's not about what you do for me, it's about what I'm doing for you. <laughs> I, the Lord, will make you a house, a dynasty of kings, and there will be one of your children on the throne forever. And to your son, David, I will be like a father, and he will be like my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with a rod, just like any father would do. And so here's the pattern of wisdom. God the Father is teaching the kings how to live well in God's world. So if you look at this, this is the source of wisdom in Proverbs is from Solomon, the son of David, God's son, teaching God's sons, us, how to live. You see that? I'll say it again. If the source of wisdom in this book is from Solomon, the son of David, God's son, teaching God's sons how to live well in God's world, which sets you up to, to hear the Jesus in there. Right? Because Jesus is the son of David, the eternal son of God, who is wisdom, who's teaching God's sons, us, how to live well in God's world. You see it? So this pattern, the, the, you come to Proverbs, it, it's assuming a whole lot of things that you have some Bible knowledge. That's why I'm giving you it up front so you have the structure to say, do you know God is your Father? As a gift, not because of what you do, but because Jesus and Christ himself, the wise son, the good son, lived the perfect life you should have lived, died the death you should have died, and in his wisdom, he, he died as a fool so that you might be made wise in him. See, I know the temptation is to read Proverbs and say, Solomon is our heroic wisdom warrior. That's the guy we want to be like. He's the model. And we all have heroes and models. That's how it works, right? We see other people who it looks like they're living well. They're at the top, right? I want to learn from them. If you're a basketball player, I want to play like LeBron. Uh, if you're a soccer player, I want to play like Neymar. I want to flop like the best of them, <laughs> right? Or for some reason, Kim Kardashian is somebody's hero. I don't, I don't get it, but people try and learn from her. But we look at our heroes and say, I want to learn from them. And what Proverbs is telling you is it can't be Solomon. It's got to be Jesus. Because as soon as it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, nobody can live up to that. I mean, Solomon was a great guy. He was the wisest guy to live in his age. He was the king of Israel. He was at the top. He was an international phenomenon. The, the queen of Sheba came from Africa just to hear him communicate and speak truth, uh, to learn from him. Um, he had more money than anyone else in his day. He was a successful author. I mean, he's timeless. We're still talking about him now. He's an, he's an amazing architect. He built gardens. He built buildings. Uh, he built the temple, which lasted for hundreds of years. Politically, he was at the top. So you could say he lived a good life. Except he was an imperfect person. He didn't listen to his own wisdom. And just like us Westerners, he was a fool when it came to, wisdom, to women. Right? So he can't be your, your, your hero. Right? The same guy who wrote in Proverbs 5, be intoxicated always with the wife of your youth, had a thousand girlfriends. Or 
says 700 wives and 300 concubines, which are like girlfriends. And it says his wives turned away his heart, and when he was old, he was not completely true to the Lord God the way David was. And so if you, you take the 20,000-foot view and look at Proverbs and the big story, Proverbs is not simply be like Solomon. It's learn, learn from a better wisdom warrior, Jesus. The one who, when he came, right? All right, think about this. Wisdom comes from the son of David to God's sons. Solomon, he, he taught it, but he didn't live it. And when you get to the end of the Bible, the Old Testament, I'll put it that way, when you get to the end of the Old Testament, the book of Chronicles, there's no good king on the throne. There's no son of David on the throne. There's no wisdom warrior who was able to teach others how to live well because they all failed. And in fact, the last word of the Hebrew Bible in the book of Chronicles just says, go back up to Jerusalem. Arise. A king is coming, but he's not there yet. And then when you get to Matthew, how does Matthew begin? Let me tell you some family history about Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the one who is the better Solomon, the one who is the better wisdom teacher, the one who says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, the one who, well, at the end of his teaching, who spoke with unparalleled authority, right? He said, let, let the wise man listen to my words, and if you do not listen to my words, you'll be like the fool who built his house on the sand, so when the storms came, you couldn't live. Listen to me the better wisdom warrior, the better Solomon, Jesus, the Son of God, who teaches us how to live well in his world. So if you don't have that in your mind, you're going to try and put to work God's wisdom with just one way, like it's God's moral law, and you're going to beat people up and beat yourself up at falling short. You need the, the context of grace to be made God's son to, to learn wisdom. Right? And this is how it starts, or how it sounds. The invitation of wisdom is to be God's son, to learn how to live well. Friday night, uh, Jonah and I went to see the movies in the park, downtown Boston Spa. And this must be new, there's a lending library in Wiswall Park. Right? This is a bunch of kids' books. And so while we were waiting for the movie to start, Jonah brought me this book called No David. Right? It's about a young boy who's a toddler. I guess we saw it this morning. <laughs> We're telling him no. But right, over and over again, this is the whole book. No, David. Stop it, David. You're too loud, David. You can't play baseball in the house, David. You're in timeout, David, because you played baseball in the house. That thing is broken. Right? Chew with your mouth closed, David. Don't play with your food, David. Sit in timeout, David. Go to bed, David. You're too loud. Stop jumping on your bed. It's no, 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 no. And the very last words of the book are this. Come here, David. I love you. Because you're my son. You see, Proverbs, as you come to be taught wisdom, is the invitation from your heavenly Father to say, come here. I love you. I love you too much to leave you as a simple three-year-old. I'm going to teach you how to live well in my world. God loves us too much to let us stay fools. 
And that's the book of Proverbs, which is beautiful. But it's also difficult because if, this is the second point, wisdom has a problem. If we are invited into this world of wisdom, we are like David. We need to be told no a lot. We're fools. We're simple. Right? We, we don't know how God's world works because we don't want to listen. And if we're called to be a wisdom warrior, to be God's child, we have to sit down and say, okay, God, teach me. And the book of Proverbs, uh, it doesn't mix any words. It just says you're a fool. And everybody is. That's the problem with wisdom. We don't naturally want this thing. We want to live well, but only by our own means. You know, it's, it's got to be my idea. Does that sound familiar? Anyone who's been around a three-year-old, <laughs> a two-year-old? So I do it. And Proverbs 1.7 tells us what that's like. Fools despise wisdom. They hate being corrected. Don't be wise in your own eyes, says 3.7. See, if you're going to learn from Proverbs, if, if I'm going to learn from Proverbs, the thing we have to do first is say out loud, I'm a fool. And so even though I know I need wisdom, I don't want it from God. Right, if I could summarize Proverbs 1, wisdom is out there. God's teaching you. It's shouting loudly in the streets, it says, saying, come to me, learn from me. Don't be simple your whole life. It's going to destroy you. And then it says there's nobody listening. We're fools. And I know that sounds like an insult. This isn't an excuse for the pastor to be mean. Right? No, a fool... I know it sounds like God's calling us idiots, but a fool is, is somebody who is out of touch with reality. That's what Proverbs tells us. Habitually out of touch with reality. To the point where you make life miserable for yourself and for other people. I mean, to be a fool is to live like there's no God and to live like there is not a, a Heavenly Father who has actually told you that you can live better than you are. To be a fool is just to ignore God, the reality of God. And we know how it works, right? Foolishness. Physically, you have limitations. If you wake up one morning and say, for the rest of my life, I'm going to live off Mountain Dew and Starburst. You are morally permitted to do so, especially if you're an adult. <laughs> right? But it's foolish. You're going to have no teeth and your body's going to hate you, and you're not going to live very long. Your body's actually going to fall apart. Because to live well in God's world as it is, there are boundaries, physically, spiritually. Now, selfishness is living out of touch with reality. Selfishness forgets that we are one of seven billion people in the world, and selfishness lives like we are the only person in this world. Right? It's out of touch with reality. It's foolishness, and it hurts people with our words, with our money, um, with our laziness, with our well, breaking trust, being unfaithful. Right. See, a fool is somebody who habitually ignores the reality of God. Like the world has no design to it. 
And that's where Proverbs then pulls us back in and says, look, if you're going to look at Proverbs 1 to 9 as a whole, you get to Proverbs 8, it's this beautiful invitation to say that wisdom made this world, that there is a structure to it. Uh, There's a fabric that if you live according to God's plan, uh, according to his wisdom, generally things will go well for you. Because wisdom says, I was there when God molded the mountains like he was sitting at a potter's wheel. Uh, Wisdom was there, I mean, literally it says um, that wisdom frolicked when God made people. He's playfully rejoicing. Uh, That the God who is has a plan, and his plan is to enjoy you as his children. But if you ignore that, it makes you a fool. And there are two kinds of fools Proverbs is going to warn us against. Two main ways to be wise in your own eyes. There's a, a moral way, and I'll call it a, a relativistic way. Right? There are those who believe there's right and wrong. Religious people, us, the Bible. And you can still be a fool. And there are those who don't believe in right or wrong. You can do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt people. Right? Relativist. A relativistic fool. Right? And what moral fools do, uh, we, we read Proverbs like promises. We read wisdom like, like it's law, like it has to happen. Uh, we read Proverbs like it's a command to live like Solomon. Because moral fools can't see that, that the world is no longer in Eden, but we live after Eden where people are selfish, and that the world is complex, which is why we need wisdom. I'll give you some examples. Moral fools, when it comes to parenting, train a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he won't depart from it, right? That's, that's the bedrock of Christian parenting. Generally, teach your kids, and when they're older, they will find themselves doing things just like their parents, whether they want to or not. And we, as moral fools, have, take tend to take that as a promise. Right? We want to put our kids in, in like a vending machine, right? You put, put the proverb in, pull, pull the lever, and out comes an obedient uh, follower of Jesus who loves and worships God with you in church on Sundays. It's foolishness. Because what it does is it lacks this thing called insight. Uh, insight into the human heart and the reality that our kids are fools too that they have a stubborn will, right? It works generally, right? You can teach your kids to be like you a lot. But the moral fool will grab onto a proverb and, and put all the pressure on our kids to turn out just like us. And you don't even have to be religious to do this. We call it helicopter parenting, right? That's a moral fool. The relativistic fool would come to parenting and say, it doesn't matter what worldview you teach them. There is no ultimate reality. Just teach them to be nice. Don't teach them moral absolutes. Let them figure it out on their own, which ironically is teaching them how the world works according to them. <laughs> right? And what it does is doesn't give you the, any reason to not live like a fool. Because if there's no right and wrong, why would I avoid the, the seductive speech of the adulteress if it's going to be fun? If I only live one life, right? 
There's moral fools. You can think about it with suffering. This is generally how people approach Proverbs. If you put Proverbs into work, you will not suffer. You won't suffer poverty. Uh, you won't suffer. You know, your kids will turn out well. You, you'll turn out rich. This, Proverbs is a favorite place of the health and wealth gospels, which is not true, which is why you also have to read Proverbs in light of Job. Because one of the things that wisdom loves to do is say, you think you know how the world works. Let me show you an exception to the rule is why you need wisdom. It's Job. Right, Job had a bunch of moralistic fools for friends. You remember Job? Uh, he, he had everything. He was rich. He had family. He had a successful business. And in a moment, all of it was gone. All he was left with was the nagging wife, the dripping faucet. <laughs> he even lost his health. And his friends come along, and they get out the wisdom of Proverbs and say, Clearly you're cursed. What are you doing wrong? Let's get out the magnifying glass. How have you, how have you angered God? See, they're fools. It's a way of being wise in your own eyes. And Proverbs is an invitation to learn the complexities of this world. We need wisdom. Now, last point. This is how we're going to end. I told you it's a book of good news. Uh, it's an invitation to become God's child, to live like a wisdom warrior, able to face anything this world has to throw at you. But we're foolish and we don't want to listen. What will get, us, what will get our attention, according to Proverbs? What will get you and I to run after wisdom? And the way Proverbs does that, it says it's valuable. It's, it's immensely valuable. Nothing can be compared to her. This is verses 8, 10, and 11. It's of more value than everything you have in your bank account. It's of more value than success, more value than comfort. The, the thing you need most in this world is wisdom. And the, what gets you to chase after it is to see the beauty of it. All right, 832. I want you to pursue wisdom. Keep knocking on my door, wisdom says. Keep coming back to my gates. Keep waiting beside my doors. Want to learn from me. Show up and say, I am not competent to run my own life. Teach me, Father. And so here's how it works. And I'll end with this. You know, chapters 1 to 9, you know what they are. It's a persuasive speech, ultimately, to fall in love with wisdom. To idolize it to look up to it, uh, to see wisdom as your hero, to see wisdom as your helper, to see wisdom as your teacher. And the, the way you and I learn best from other people to idolize, right? It's not those distant superstars and celebrities, people you don't actually know whether they live according to their own wisdom or not. It's people who are up close and personal, right? Those who love you, your own father, uh, your own mother. Proverbs include speeches from mothers as well. This is not just male wisdom. Right, the people I've learned wisdom from best have been my dad. Um, I've learned from older missionaries when I was overseas who took me under their wing, who I got to see them live out the things they were teaching me. Uh, I got to live alongside my friend and mentor, Mick Leary. He's going to preach in a couple weeks here. 
Because not only do they tell you what to do, uh, you get to see it. It's personal, it's visible. Which is why you need the whole story of the Bible. John 1, if I can paraphrase, in the beginning was God's wisdom, and God's wisdom was with God, and God's wisdom was God, and apart from God's wisdom, nothing that was made was made. And this wisdom became a person and lived here on earth. His name is Jesus, who out of love came down so you could be personally mentored by him. See, Proverbs 28 gives a warning. It says, They will call upon me, and I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but I will not... They will not find me, says God, all because they did not choose wisdom, the fear of the Lord. It's the punishment for fools. Silence from God. So when you look at Jesus, your heroic wisdom warrior, sitting on the cross, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was receiving the judgment of fools. He cried out and God did not rescue him so that you and I would fall in love with the wisdom, uh, well, really the wisdom that that demands God accept us by faith as his sons who never did anything wrong in the first place, holy and blameless. And that's what's going to persuade you to pursue this wisdom, to see the beauty of it, to see the value of it. It's when it's personal. When Jesus shows you there is an order to this life, and then he shows you the beauty of it by living it out. When he says, love your neighbor as yourself, and then he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That's love. See, the call to become wise is a call to fall in love with Jesus and learn from him. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me and I will make you wise. Go and learn what that means. Let's pray.